I can feel the warmth of the sun on my face for the first time today. It's been overcast and cloudy for most of the day, but now at the end of the afternoon, it's really starting to warm up again. I'm walking past an ice cream shop. Apparently, it's one of the best ones here in town. I've not visited yet, but maybe on my way back, I should go there. I don't know. Do I still have room in my calorie budget? I think so. I ran 9.5 kilometers today, so should be able to fit in a small ice cream. Let me cross the road here. I'm uh, heading out of town. I'm going to walk to my future home in Binnacombe because I'm curious to see the progress. They've been uh, installing the floors yesterday and today. Um, and apparently they still need another day on Monday to finish everything. So I want to see how far they've come. I actually don't even know if I can enter the, the house. Um, because if they put in place the PVC tiles in the, on, the, on the ground level, I'm not sure if I can walk over that if they glued it. But we'll see. Something tells me that they started upstairs with the carpet and maybe they'll do the kitchen and the, the hallway um, at the very end because, of, of course, that's, the, that's kind of the, the last thing you want to walk on um, when you're installing it. We'll see. We'll see. It's the end of the, a, a good, productive week, I, I would say, even though I needed some extra time to recover from the busy weekend uh, where I visited the Fantasy Fair in Arsen in the, the Netherlands, the south of the Netherlands, which was fun but also pretty fatiguing. Um, I was still able to get some stuff done, although I have to say that I'm still behind on a lot of the television work. If one of the things that I recently learned or maybe acknowledged because I kind of mentally already knew that that was the case is that I'm very bad at estimating the the time that work takes I'm usually very optimistic I think I can do this in an afternoon or two hours and then I end up working two days on something that I thought would only take me a few hours and I'm chronically underestimating the time that things take so <laughs> one of the, one of the uh, goals that, I, that I'm pursuing is to become more realistic when it comes to my planning. Already the fact that I'm planning every morning what I'm going to do that day, and sometimes I'm planning ahead even more, um, is, is already a vast improvement over the way in which I used to work in, uh, in the past where I would just wing it, basically. I would uh, uh, commit to all sorts of projects with deadlines and then because I did not estimate the amount of time that it would cost me to do certain things nor did I factor in um, days where sometimes creatively it doesn't work because that happens also it's kind of the problem of the kind of work that I'm involved in um, it only works when you have ideas because it's all about telling stories and about being creative and sometimes, and, and, and those of you that are creatively inclined 
will will recognize this. Sometimes you just don't have ideas, or your I don't know your head is too full with other stuff. That has been my big handicap for the past six months. Is that because I'm I'm juggling so many uh, new aspects in my life, especially of course the renovation of the house. Um, oftentimes, I would just not have enough mental energy left to come up with something new. My first reaction to that situation, of course, is, has been to kind of limit the amount of commitments and to, uh, to focus on what is truly important. And that has been really helpful <laughs> to get things done. That's how I was able to, uh, to film all my episodes over the summertime. But I still did not calculate uh, the, or I did not take into account the fact that, that, that actually going back to editing requires 100% focus. This is one of the most um, demanding parts of my work. Uh, editing a story, it's very precise. You need to deliver high quality, it's for television. So you can't just mess around. Uh, So it's extremely um, detailed work. Plus, it's it's a combination of both being able to to tell short sequences, make sure that everything fits together, the various images you have, the voiceover text, the music, the sound effects. There are many, many layers in every minute of video that you see on TV. And you also have to keep in mind that you have to tell a much broader story in the total time frame of the, of the episode. So that's 25 minutes. So you're sometimes micromanaging everything that happens in, within 30 seconds. But then you also have to make sure that there is a balance that spans the entire episode. And that is hard, especially if you ha- uh, have to work with footage that you did not think through in advance. And thankfully, the regular episodes where I go to a, to a place in Holland and I, I interview some people, that usually forms a very strict formula, which makes it somewhat easier to put together. But as you know, I'm also working on some stuff that I shot during my vacations with various cameras, various... Uh, various degrees of quality and not always filmed with the purpose of turning it into a TV show. It's only now that I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to glue all, that, all those loose ends together. That is um, a, a lot harder and it requires my full attention and actually long stretches of time where I can think this through. That's one of the uh, one of the ways in which my brain works is that before I sit down and edit, I have to think what I'm going to, to do. And that's why I, I need much time where I don't have any other things than, for instance, walking or, or running. Those are the times during the day where I put together a lot of the, a lot of the story and then once I have that in my mind and I know how I'm going to tell the story, that's when I can sit down and work efficiently. But if you're constantly uh, busy with all sorts of small things that need to be done and 
Well, the renovation has been this ongoing, like almost daily, daily project that required so much of my attention and, and, and forced me to take so many decisions. That is the hardest part, that I just got decision tired. And when you're editing, that is what editing is. It's making decisions all the time. Am I going to show one second of this? What part of the interview am I going to throw away? How can I, how can I uh, turn this into a continuous narrative even though I don't have enough footage? Uh, it's constantly choosing and making decisions on, on how, how to proceed. And I've noticed that if I've already taken a lot of decisions during the day, about about other stuff from from for well it's not just the the renovation also uh, the the work that I do here in the parish so I, I'm I'm assisting during the weekend so um, what I noticed is since this is new for me and for the parishes they want they need more guidance than I expected when it comes to preparing the liturgy they're very much used to a certain a certain service I think that Father Henry gives them where he stipulates you know what uh, how the liturgy is going to be and the, what kind of songs they should do he even sometimes makes a booklet or types of puts a booklet together he makes sure that there are uh, intentions for the the um, the reader that's all stuff that I had organized in a very different way in my previous parish. And now I'm a bit overwhelmed by all the requests for uh, to meet, to discuss the liturgy. And I was like, mm, no, that was actually not the plan. I'm, I'm there. Just I celebrate the liturgy of the church and that's an hour. And sure, I'll, I'll put together a homily and, and that's it. But now I'm, I'm just constantly having to deal with expectations in many different churches because the parish has a number of locations where, where I'll be assisting during the weekend. And so that's another uh, energy drain because I need to somehow manage that. And of course I want to work on a situation where I don't have to constantly hold people's hands when it comes to the liturgy. Um, but means I have to kind of redo a lot of the work that I already had done years ago in my own parish. So, and then, of course, you also have the, uh, the decisions that I have to take just for <laughs> in the kitchen. What am I going to eat? Who is going to be there? Uh, what do you want to eat? What do we have in terms of ingredients? I have to go shopping. It's all small stuff. But I used to do that for just for myself. Now I have to do it for more than, well, more than just me. It's like three, four people every time I cook. So that requires also some, uh, some attention. And then sometimes that just gets in the way of uh, consistent work. So what I've noticed is that I'm able to do uh, smaller projects like the videos that I do about Rome those take about a day to put together which is still too much work um, it's supposed to be done in, or it's, it's supposed to be a project that only cost me half a day that's what they pay me for 
and and sometimes it even takes me more than a day because I have to come up with a uh, a story. So I'm writing a blog basically that I then record as a voiceover, and then I put together a video that matches those words. So even though those videos are about four minutes long, it still takes me about a day to put together. But a day, that's feasible. And then sometimes there are other days of the week where I just can't find the time to sit down and edit. Plus, I also committed to recording my podcasts and doing that sort of stuff. There is another project that that is uh, on my list, which is still on the back burner when it comes to my attention and focus, and that is the whole uh, series for children that we developed. That's an idea that we developed more than a year ago when I had no idea that my life was about to change so drastically. Um, And the the idea was to create something for children that would be kind of on par with... uh, Sesame Street or something like that or The Muppet Show something with puppets where we would explain the gospel introduce people into or children into the basics of, of, of faith and and it was a project that I knew from the get-go uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that by myself I had done some experiments with uh, just uh, toys that I bought but it was very demanding to put together a small video and the results were not that professional. It was fun, but it was almost like a, a tryout to see if videos like that were, were feasible. And I think the, the overall result was I was happy with it. And I think we, we, we had a few children who gave us some feedback that they loved it. But it was nothing compared to what we want to do. However, this is something that I've never done before. It's about creating a puppet show. Um, And that may seem easy, but if you've ever watched a behind-the-scenes video or documentary about uh, how they film Sesame Street or The Muppet Show, um, it's actually very demanding. It's much easier to just go out and film interviews, but to put together something for children that is high quality, it it is super... um, demanding and and, and and novel to me. So in order to do that well, I also need to have the time and, and the focus. And since I'm behind on the television work because of the situation, that falls even more behind. So in hindsight, of course, the planning was too ambitious. And uh, maybe maybe this was a project not for this year. However, when we conceived it, that's the problem of when you plan ahead. You can't always oversee the situation. And you sometimes have to just jump and commit yourself to get things done. Even though there's always a possibility that there will be hiccups. There will be um, things that happen that you, you couldn't plan for, but you still have to deal with. Thankfully, we did we did uh, think of uh, this project that this project would not just be um, me making it uh, but we would need a budget to find people to do that for me so I would just be there for the 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 input and being the creative director but not the uh, executive director not the one who films everything and who 
who um, does all the voices and, and, and writing. So that also pr- proved to be um, trickier. I, th- I think that's harder than it looks because you have to find the right people to, that can help you with that. Um, but my, my own circle of people that I work with is very limited and, well, not everyone is interested in doing work like that. So then you have to go out and find people to do that work for you. And the temptation, of course, is to say, well, I, that, takes me, that takes forever to find the right people. I might as well do it myself. But then I would fall into the trap of trying to do it myself. And ultimately, of course, it, 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 I can't fit it into my schedule uh, because I, I have other projects that are just as important. So it's... It's difficult to keep everything balanced, and then the the all by itself, every project is very feasible, and I, I I think it's fun. But if you if you pile up too many projects simultaneously, at least for me, that becomes very hard because I know one thing, and that is I am not a multitasker. <laughs> I can't do multiple projects. Like yesterday evening, I walked past Father Henry's room and I'm going upstairs to the attic because it's way past my bedtime I'd been recording a podcast it was already 11 o'clock I I should have been in bed for more than an hour and then Father Henry calls me over and he says oh, I just booked a flight for Rome and uh, you were going to go to Rome as well right uh, have you already followed up on that and I say I try to explain that first of all I am about to go to bed so I don't want to talk right now about a trip to Rome like I have a very different rhythm than Father Henry so I need my sleep and this is not the time to talk about that so I kind of like wave it away "Ah, there's too much in my head Uh, I've got too many other issues to deal with and then he's like what other issues and I think well my mind works like this if there's too much that requires my Involvement that uh, too many projects that, that are waiting for my decisions, I can only work sequentially. And I can only move on to the next project, even though I may have already committed to it, I may have already planned for it, but I can only move ahead with it if I have successfully completed the job before that. I cannot manage two things at once. And then he looked at me a little bit puzzled. And then I said, but, but I'm going to bed. I'll look into it tomorrow. <laughs> That's kind of my standard answer when I don't want to deal with it right now. Like, I'll look into it tomorrow, which is true, but it's also a way to politely say that, yeah, not now. <laughs> so, but it is something that <clears throat> I always thought was a flaw in the way I work, that I, I, I have this desire or just it's a necessity for me to to first crossing the road here to first finish one project and then move on to the other like some people seem to be able to do multiple things at once and to keep tabs on everything i've tried that before with time management um and and good planning but i noticed that especially for the creative stuff I need to have stuff out of my life first. And the whole move, which 
instead of taking just a few weeks like I initially estimated, now has taken more than half a year. That is a huge time and energy sucker. <laughs> and it needs to be out of, my, out of my system first. And then, only then, when, and that will still take weeks before I get settled there, then I think I will have a little bit more room to start developing new things. And in the meantime, I'm just happy if I can meet the deadlines that I currently have. So it's frustrating because I would like to be able to do everything at once. But I also know that if I, if I work too much, if I try to do everything myself, the only result will be more stress, uh, a decline of my health and well-being, and, and there will be no fun in it. So was I too ambitious with the, with the catechesis project for kids? Probably. On the other hand, I, nobody could have foreseen what happened. And ultimately, I was not to blame for the upheaval of my life. And it has damaged, I think, also the prospects of what I could do this year. Um, so the only thing that bugs me a bit is how can you still... Um, do you have to cancel the project? Do you have to postpone it? If you postpone it, what tells me that I will be able to pull it off uh, next year? So um, again, it's a decision that you have to take. Am I going to bring in other people to help me with it? That too requires my input. I have to search for these people. I can't uh, hand that over to Inga or to, uh, to the board of, of, uh, of Tridio. So no matter what I do, I still have to be involved. And I still have to make decisions. And that's, that's the hardest thing if there are already so many other things that, that don't fall in a certain rhythm. So what I thrive at, or the, the moments that I thrive is that when most of my life is on automatic pilot. And I have that, that is why I'm such a fan of, of well-established routines. And I, I need this day-to-day routine because that releases a lot of energy that I can then put into the creative project. But if there's too much that is out of the ordinary, and most of my life for the past six months has been extremely out of the ordinary, not to mention, of course, COVID and trying to fight back to get my health health back, all that required a lot of attention and, and focus. I know for sure that I need to limit the amount of time that I work. And I probably overestimated all these projects uh, or underestimated the, 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 the time that I uh, should spend on, on these projects. But I can't, I can't do miracles. I can't uh, go back in time like in Harry Potter where Hermione just goes back in time to follow like twice the number of, uh, of courses um, at Hogwarts than, than is actually possible in real time. I can't do that. So then I have to prioritize, and that's what I've been doing. And unfortunately, the things that, are, that have a deadline, um, that, I have, that I'm contractually uh, obliged to, uh, to do those take priority obviously 
after my health, that is that is what I do first. But it does actually um, help me to say no to every other new project. Even though I, there are tons of things that I would love to do, that I'm looking forward to doing, that I hoped I was able to do now, I still I can't commit to those projects before I end the other stuff. So, um, multitasking for is not for me. In fact, I read an entire book. Uh, you may have heard me talk about that uh, somewhere during the, my regular show. Uh, this book is about the myth of multitasking. It's, a, it's an interesting book. It's not that big. It's written as a conversation between a, a, a coach and someone who works at a company and is constantly overwhelmed by all the stuff that she needs to manage. Um, and she thinks that she's masterful at multitasking and then all the cliches of, uh, but I'm a woman, women are good at multitasking, men obviously can't do, can't do that, they can only do one thing at a time. And then the uh, author of the book actually debunks that and, and has a number of tests that you can do that show you unequivocally that there is no such thing as multitasking. In fact, what we call multitasking is in fact switch tasking, which means that you, you think that you're doing multiple things at once, but you can only focus on one thing. So when you say, I'm multitasking, you, what you're doing is switching between one task or one project and another, and then switching back. But every time you switch, you lose time and you lose energy and efficiency. And so the only exception to this is what is called uh, backtasking, which is background tasking. But that requires you to have things that you can do totally on autopilot. Like, for instance, you can listen to a podcast or record a podcast like I'm doing right now and walk at the same time. And even when I'm doing this, when I, while, while I'm walking here on the street that leads me to the rectory of Binnacom, I still have to do some switch tasking because there are, there's traffic and I'm actually not walking on the pavement, but I'm walking on a small piece of red pavement which is reserved for bikes. So sometimes there are bikes here that pass me by or, or buses and then I have to put... <laughs> then you will notice that because my, my talking goes on autopilot. I'm very good at that. I can just continue to utter sounds that seemingly make sense, but I'm not saying anything because... I'm not saying anything thing substantial because I'm actually looking at or paying attention to the traffic, making sure I don't get killed. So that is... Um, that's backtasking... Uh, like ironing your shirt while watching TV, listening to the radio when you're cooking. Whoa, that car came very close. This is a narrow road. I don't like walking with my back to the traffic that passes me by. But then the path for the bikes on the other side of the road is even narrower. And around this time, you've got a lot of kids on bikes that come back from school. Speaking of which, some bikes passing me by right now. So this is one of those moments that I had to do some some uh, uh, some switching. Um, so switch switch tasking, um, and I had to look at what what are these bikes do? Do they see me? Uh, 
<laughs> am I still safe? And now I can put my focus back on podcasting. So what the book explains and demonstrates is that multitasking or switch tasking is highly inefficient. And it comes from all our habits when it comes to um, juggling around too many tasks and not having enough focus. And so what he proposes is, of course, to get rid of all the distractions. So if you have a phone that uh, asks for your attention five or six times per hour, and I know for some, time, for some people it's even worse than that, the thing constantly blinks and beeps, you think that you can handle that because you're used to it. But in fact, you're losing sometimes 50% of your efficiency just by looking at your phone every time you get a notification. So the advice, of course, is get rid of all those notifications. If, you, um, if people call you all day long, now fortunately, that's not the case for me because people know that I usually cannot be reached by phone. I deliberately, I hate telephone. <laughs> I'm an introvert. I have a very, very bad relationship with my phone. So, but other people will immediately answer their phone even if they're in the middle of a conversation that is important as well. Um, I, I've noticed this also with, uh, with people that work in the pastoral business where they will be visiting someone, but instead of giving them their full attention, as soon as the phone rings, they pick it up and they walk outside and they... Like, that is rude, I think. But it is how we have taught each other that communication works. And, of course, it shouldn't be like that. So one of the proposals is, instead of doing all that switch tasking, um, record a, a message on your voicemail in which you tell people, leave me a message, and I check voicemail twice a day. Once at lunchtime and one five o'clock right before I end my working day if there's anything important that comes in afterwards I will answer it first time in the morning by creating that guarantee that you will attend to it at the same time you don't let yourself be disturbed constantly which will just make your make you less efficient um, you will you will in fact help other people to to free you up same for meetings uh, so in the, this kind of fictional case that he describes, there are assistants of this boss entering her room every time with just a quick question. How often have you had these quick questions? I remember years ago, Cliff Ravenscraft recorded a podcast in which he, he was uh, commenting on those quick questions, which usually when someone tells you in an email just a quick question and then... <laughs> What usually happens is that person requires an answer and expects an answer that will take you like a few hours to compile. And so these quick questions, first of all, are never quick questions. And secondly, they're also destroying your own efficiency. And then, of course, the, the, the most important question is to ask yourself, what helps my mission more? attending to all these quick questions all these notifications and um, cutting up my time trying to squeeze in all these requests of various degrees of importance or is my work and my mission so important that it comes first 
And you can't do, you can't be there for other people if you can't be there for yourself. I thought that was a really, really um, important under, underlying philosophy of the book. And so the solutions that the book proposes um, consist of, uh, of streamlining your meetings to make, a, for instance, a list of... Well, someone is yelling at me from their car. I don't know why. Anyway, I hope that didn't startle you as much as it did startle me. <laughs> um, what you need to do is to make a list of all the people that habitually uh, disturb you or ask for little things um, and give them a ranking when it comes to their importance for your mission. And then based on that, you estimate how what kind of regular meeting these people need so that you create limited amounts of time for them to ask anything they want to ask what it forces them to prepare you always have to for instance meetings as well don't go blind into any meeting that is requested of you first ask yourself does this serve my mission can i contribute something to the meeting or is this just social or is just do they just that this is a very relevant i think for pastors and in parishes very often parishioners will ask you to be at meetings and then at the end of the evening you're like well why was i here this was this meeting didn't get us anywhere well maybe the request for you to be there was in fact translating a desire for them to see you more but you could answer that request in a different way that it's not as as useless as being at a meeting where you feel like nothing happened and nobody was prepared so it's also about asking your uh, the people that want your time to deserve it and to prepare and to make sure that they are prepared so for my situation I was thinking okay I, I probably need to apply that not just to the people because I don't get that many notifications or telephone calls but I do need to make sure that I have at least a few people that I work with on these projects I need to uh, set a time and a day every week for a short meeting and we have to make sure those meetings are work related and the, the social aspects are important too but they can be done at another time um, but you should be very uh, careful with how, how you spend the few hours of the day that you actually have for, for work. So I'm thinking of doing that. I already was doing that with Inge uh, to have a weekly, a weekly meeting where we just go through well, whatever is going on and what's necessary. I, th I still think that we could make that more more consistent and maybe also uh, uh, be even more to the point, I think. Um, and as far as the other projects, I, I do have the occasional talk with uh, Hugo, who's helping me with the TV show. Maybe just have a, a, a few hours every month or so and talk about projects would also be beneficial because... He is definitely someone with experience who can help me uh, think about the bigger projects in my life and keep that in focus. And I'm very bad at doing that by myself if I have all these other smaller things to, to take care of. But I, I know that, for instance, 
he's ready to start working on the Scotland documentary. But he needs some input from me. And it just, every time it gets postponed, because there are more urgent matters that ultimately in the long run are not that important and don't help my mission. Same is true for the puppet project. That is important. I committed to that and I think it's going to be great. But I need to have more regular talks with people involved so that we can, can constantly keep each other informed about what is possible and what is not possible. That too is important to communicate. Otherwise, you, people are like, well, why don't I hear anything? Um, so that, that was helpful to... Gave me, the book gave me a few ideas to be more efficient and most of all to create uh, long stretches of time where I can put my focus on what needs to be done first. And then ultimately, of course, the book also made me aware of the fact that since I've been constantly overestimating my own abilities and my own time and energy when it comes to all these projects, I need to purge my list of commitments even more. And it's better to purge a little bit too much than to purge too little. That's always for hmm, kind of people that are meticulous like me. I can be very uh, hesitant at times. Um, it's, it's hard to choose and to say no to, to things that you actually want to do. Um, but it's also a matter of survival. If I don't limit my projects to what I can actually pull off by myself in this given situation, and we're not talking about an ideal situation, you always have to, to work with what you have. You can only move the boat forward with the paddle that you have on board and if you don't have one you have to use your hands so it means you will reach that island a little bit later than you thought um it's all about being realistic and so be it if you can't do stuff that you would like to do but committing yourself to something and then not being able to realize it because you don't have time or burning the candle at both ends to make time where actually you should be resting. All that has led, in my life at least, to fatigue, unhealthy situations, frustration, lack of motivation as well. So it's all about being realistic. Make realistic planning. And if you only have limited time it's about prioritizing so what is truly your mission what is just uh, uh, kind of nice but not now and that is a choice that is a decision that I have to take over and over again hopefully I'll get at one point in my life I'll get good at it but it is to constantly go for what is what is absolutely um, essential for for my mission and, and I should not be afraid to, to say no and to get rid of everything that is constantly uh, taking away energy that I need for what keeps me healthy and happy. Uh, that's hard for people pleasers. <laughs> but I know and I've learned over these past months how important it is. It is the only way that I was able to survive these six months uh, that I had to wait for for this house to be ready. 
Speaking of which, I've arrived on the square in front of the church dedicated to um, the Virgin Mary, the Queen, and I see that there is a bee sitting on my door right next to the keyhole. And I know that I don't want that bee inside my house. I'm just going to peek through the window, see if it, I think it is warming up or something like that. Oh, they have already installed the, the, the floor. I can see the tiles. So the PVC is there. Now I don't know if I can actually enter the house because if they just glued it, maybe I cannot walk on it. Um, I should ask for advice first. Let me go through this hole in the, in the hedge and go to the backyard. I'm now standing in the garden. I'm going to look through the window here. Uh, I don't see anything changed in the living room because, of course, we already installed the laminate. And let me take a look uh, through the window of the back door. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, that looks a ton better. Oh, that looks great. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's exactly the way I imagined it. So I, I chose... Um, kind of a dark gray color for it's almost black for the for the hallway so it looks like stone and then for the carpet upstairs I went for something gray and I was initially afraid that I'd chosen something that would be too too light and therefore also susceptible to get dirty over time but now that I see that they've already done this the stairs and it's actually a lot darker than I thought it would be. It's kind of a dark gray. It looks pretty. It's very. It's a different color than what I remembered. But then again, it's always difficult to to judge on the basis of a small sample that they give you how it will look. Oh, and here in the in the this is the door to the the room next to the kitchen, and they they put some. Uh, uh, what is it? This is pla rubberized plastic or something like that. So it's, uh, but it looks nice as well. And they also installed a mat for if you enter the the room. But I don't think they finished it. At least as far as I can tell, maybe they still have to come back on Monday just to do the finishing touches. But it already looks as if they finished most of the of the work. And here for the for this room next to the kitchen, they chose um, something that looks like wood. So it's different from um, from the rest of the house. But since this is a place where I will store, I put my bike there in the fridge. So it's not that important that it is consistent. Let me look through the window of the kitchen. Let's see if I can see the floor from here. Oops, I'm standing on a great. Oh, that looks pretty good as well. It's just very dark. But the white, the walls are all white tiles and kind of creamy white for the walls, and then the the kitchen itself is blue. So this looks finished too. Nice, nice. Now the only thing I need to know is that can I enter the house or not? Because then, if I can enter the house, I'll be able to take some pictures. Normally, I would go through the back door, but the key is on the other side of the door. So, and I don't have a key, I don't have a spare key to enter. I'll just walk back, see if the bee is gone, and then 
I'll just give it a shot. Do I actually have the key on me? <laughs> yes, I have. Let's see. There we go. I've got a lot of keys now. Because I also have the keys for the rectory in Wageningen. All right. Uh, the bee is still relaxing there. Can I chase it away? Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I gave it a little nudge. All right, just open this door and see what we have. Oh, it smells very, very new. Okay, the mat is here on the floor. Get the key out. Yeah, I think I can walk on this. Why not? I mean, after all, since they had to close the door behind them, they must have walked on this as well. They can't fly out, of course. But, wow, this looks nice. Yeah. It really is so much better. They, we had these small tiles on the floor, which were kind of a mixture of white and gray, and it was very loud. Oh, the color of the carpet is not exactly what I expected, but it looks nice. I'm walking on it. It feels good. That's a lot darker than I thought it would be. But of course, the house doesn't have any furniture yet. I think they've done, they finished everything. Oh, wow. It has changed the audio as well. The sound, it's more like it's... Damp, it's, um, it dampens the sound. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Hmm. Here, this is nice. This is my, it's a small room which I think will be my bedroom. Well, it looks to me as if this is completely finished. This too. This is going to be my workroom. It's still echoey. I was hoping that it would dampen the sound a little bit more than it actually does. So this room definitely does require curtains to dampen the sound and maybe even, now that I think of it, um, what is it, sound panels or something like that. Because it's obvious that if I would record here a podcast, it's too echoey. So I still need to, well, maybe the, the furniture will also help with uh, dampening the sound. But... Imagine if I had done um, laminate there. <laughs> that would have been really problematic. And then, of course, the kitchen is just what it is. There are real tiles here on the floor. These are not fake tiles, but real ones. And this is, of course, super echoey. But it's a bathroom. It's easy to clean this way. So, yeah, I think they're done, as far as I can tell. And I like the result. I'm still thinking that the color of the carpet does not entirely match the color of the PVC tiles down the stairs. So this, this almost feels like there's a little bit brown in the, in the gray. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm just trying to kind of switch to what I expected it to be, to look like. And, but then it's months ago that I, that I picked this carpet. So I didn't have a sample of that ready when I was choosing the tiles. But all in all, I think that once this is, uh, um, once I've put the furniture there, it'll look great. And in fact, the color of the carpet 
changes when the light also changes. So there's now a lot of yellow light coming in because it's uh, evening. So that too does something. Because here, in, in the, this is one of the uh, guest rooms. This looks, a much, looks like a much colder uh, carpet. Oh, they left something here for some reason. Maybe this is to put in the... Uh, in the the cupboards, uh, they still have that old stuff that was there. Yeah, I think, I think this is done. I think this is done. That would be wonderful. So, um, anyway, you'll have to wait for a video tour until another time. But I will definitely uh, record one once once everything is uh, in place. Any time now. Uh, I'm going to take some fit pictures and send them over to Hank. Uh, who is also very curious how this turned out. He's been kind of the overseer of the entire renovation. Um, hopefully I'll get some news about when they're going to install the radiators. I know that electricity will be done on Wednesday, and then I still need to have... I still have to call the two guys that have been working here for most of the time... Um, to finish the kitchen and uh, some other stuff that they couldn't uh, proceed with because of the electricity not being finished. But all in all, I, this, is, this is feeling like a house now. The carpet is absolutely making this a house. <laughs> and before it was constantly, oh, even going down the stairs, this was an open staircase. And now when I go down the stairs, you barely hear it. That's... That's good. That is a huge improvement. Yeah, I love the, the, the tiles here. Let's go to the kitchen. Speak around the corner. This looks wonderful too. This is a very good match with uh, the blue of the kitchen itself. And the wood in the... Okay, that actually looks, looks quite nice as well. And it does match, funny enough, it does match the gray of the of the tiles of the floor in the kitchen so that's that's actually not too shabby hmm yeah i love it all right thank you so much for listening and uh i realize that this may be the first time i record a podcast in my new house that is wonderful oh they have some tiles some leftover tiles that's good there's some leftover carpet as well yeah it looks Looks like they're, they're done. That is good. It means that we can actually proceed. We can start cleaning and make this a home and bring my furniture back. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'll be back soon. Take care and God bless.